Listening to the iZombie podcast of Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and it doesn't hurt that I co-host with the best podcaster of them all. Aww. Uh my name is Stephanie, and I cured zombieism. No biggie. <laughs> you did? <laughs> it's cute, wasn't it? I thought it was cute. <laughs> uh, wow, this is our uh, fifth to the last episode. We have four more left oh. after this. So sad. Oh my gosh! So we're we're getting down to the wire in the next like month or so. We're going to be wrapping up this podcast entirely, like five years of our life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so I definitely wanted to say in our, our little news portion, uh, you know, thank you so much for listening to us um, babble, uh, as it were. You know, um, we are working on making these next. Uh, you know, four weeks, uh, a fun one. I've actually tried my best, uh, tweeting and Instagramming a, a couple times out to the main cast, you know, Rose and Raul and Robert and David and Malcolm and, and oh, Bryce, Bryce is just on Instagram, but tried him. It's nobody's really responding. Um, but I really love to have them come on the podcast and give their final thoughts and their character. I just haven't had much luck. Haven't had really any response. Um, David liked my tweet. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, maybe he'll, maybe he'll message back. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I know Rose is busy, uh, directing something. Um, and, uh, you know, the others might be busy as well. I've, I really, you really don't know. Um, but uh, as listeners, I, I just want to kind of call out, like, can you do us a little favor, you know, send the, the folks that you really, really want on the podcast, um, uh, a little message on Twitter or on their Instagram, just say, Hey, we'd love to hear you on iZombie podcast with Robin and stuff. Um, you know, just let them know that you'd like to hear them on the show before it's all over. We got, I, I tweeted about it. I got some good retweets and some people even added on with a message. Really, really appreciate that. I mean, no need to like, you know, pepper them with message after message. I, you know, we all have lives. We all have busy lives and who knows what's going on. But They're probably um, on vacation right now, don't yeah, you think? I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's been so long. They're like on to their next job, but who knows? Oh, yeah. But <laughs> even if, you know, even if we still have some huge things coming up. Mm-hmm. I, can, uh, I can confirm that at least two recurring cast members are going to be talking to us in the coming weeks. Maybe even three. Who knows? Uh and we're really also hoping to get Rob Thomas back on here. He was on here uh, in season two talking about the Whopper. Um, and, of course, Diane, who was awesome to come talk to us about the dance episode earlier this season, um, was hinting that maybe she'd come back to talk about the penultimate episode. We'll, we'll see. Um, fingers crossed. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm reaching out. I'm, I'm hoping to get a response. Uh, just doing our best to really just, you know – bring this podcast down and, and say goodnight to it with a, just a big kaboom of, uh, of, of fun, uh, discussions. So, um, also, uh, I, I should say, uh, we're 
not going to be done after iZombie. Uh, we're going to do a couple of bonus podcasts, uh, just binge watching the latest season of Veronica Mars. So if you, you're like, oh, I, I miss them, you know, just stay subscribed and we're going to be watching, I don't know, like four or five episodes at a time. They're, they're doing us a, a, a favor and a disservice by dropping it all at once. <laughs> <laughs> But since we've uh, released all the other seasons of Veronica Mars as binge watches on on this feed, I figure, you know, we got we got to talk about new Veronica Mars. See what's going on. Definitely, because that's why we did the old Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's for sure. And gosh, Veronica Mars is a big factor in why we are like we let's just do eyes on. It's go- it's going to be great. We, yeah. you know, it's coming from the same team. It's going to be great, and uh, definitely definitely paid off. It's been it's been. Uh, 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 quite a quite a fun few years, and I don't. I guess I don't want to, you know, re- do, do my wrap up thoughts so soon. But I just, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been reminiscing over the past uh, few weeks. <laughs> um, oh, also, I want to tell our listeners that to, they should definitely, if they're not following us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at iZombie Podcast. We're, uh, you know, I set up a uh, daily challenge, and we're hoping people get involved. Um, it's all in celebration of hashtag buy zombie month. It's B Y E. Of course, we're not buying any zombies. Um, but <laughs> oh, did you come up with this? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, oh. I mean, buy zombie, buy zombie is, uh, is the penultimate episode title, oh. but we're, we're all saying goodbye to I zombie. And, um, uh, so I, uh, created a daily challenge for people to, tweet out like their favorites this or favorite that uh, it's it's pinned to the top of our twitter profile we've gone through a, a few days of it already um but i just noticed that you know like july is the last month that we're gonna have i zombie on um and the the series finale is august 1st so i was like oh we should definitely um be making you know some fun things to let the people behind the show know that we, we love them and we're so happy and, and appreciative of the show and, and, uh, you know, they'll be missed d- deeply. <laughs> um, the first few days have already gone by on hashtag by zombie month. Uh, we did uh, favorite fan art and cosplay. That was fun. Uh, favorite Ravi and Peyton moment. And, uh, today's as of this recording is a uh, funniest comic book title card. So it's been good kind of going back and, uh, and mm. yeah, reminiscing as it were. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, follow us on Twitter, check out the, the pin tweets. If you haven't seen it already, I have a whole image you can save to your phone. So you remember every day what, what to do every day on Twitter. Um, and, uh, and make sure to tag your posts, hashtag by zombie month to play along because I'll be looking at that tag and, uh, sharing your tweets. Cause, uh, we've had some great ones so far. So that's all my news. Um, we should get into the latest episode, The Fresh Princess. Robin, do you remember when we used to talk on the phone? <laughs> Us personally, I don't think we've heard. It's been weird whenever we've talked on the phone. <laughs> we usually talk over <laughs> Skype or Google Hangouts. But I mean, remember when you used to answer the phone? And call people. And remember when you memorized telephone numbers? Oh my gosh, it was so great. It was. I, I, gosh, back in the nineties, I used to get in like hours long conversations. Yeah. Oh, I remember like having a phone in your bedroom was like the ultimate status 
symbol, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I, I didn't have a phone in my room. That was ter- that was crazy, like insane. So my parents' phone had an extra long cord, and I would, uh, you know, I would <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah, and I, I could I could close my door, like I could just barely fit it in my <laughs> room under the door, and uh, talk on the phone for hours. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think our my parents had the long, long, long cord. I think by the time. I mean, we had we had cordless, um, you know, those plastic cordless phones where you could see the insides. Um, but gosh, I oh r- yeah, phones, yeah. But that's not nineties. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Then getting the, getting the cordless phone, yeah, that was great. I could go to my room, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, talking on the phone like that to me—that's so nineties. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. This episode celebrates the things of the nineties that I really wasn't a part of. <laughs> Yeah, it's girly 90s. It really is. It's like, you know, bubblegum pop, uh, you know, I I don't know. Girl power music and... Which is fine. It's, you know, you're using a teen pageant girl, uh, a teen girl who's a pageant winner, and it's also being channeled through a girl. So, uh, I mean, obviously a lot of the stuff uh, is very girly. I mean, was there anything in this podcast that you were like, oh, yeah, I remember that. that. That was big in my life. Like were the, were you a big fan of the Spice Girls or? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I liked the Spice Girls, but uh-huh. not particular. Like I, I mean, I liked the music of this episode, uh, but no, not. I mean, I wasn't a crazy Spice Girl fan, but I think the closest this podcast got, or this podcast, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> this episode got to um, uh, approaching anything. Close to what I enjoyed in the '90s was the uh, Sean Colvin song at the mm-hmm. end of the episode. I was like, yeah. "Oh, there's a needle drop right there." I haven't heard that song in forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, me, I was Mister Mister Grunge, you know, Mister listening to like industrial music, and uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was going to a lot of concerts, but it was all like you know rock concerts and stuff, and wearing flannels. I wasn't yeah. out of here. I don't really remember, like, there's nothing specific about the 90s, about my life that stuck out. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I miss the 90s-ish. I don't know, it's so funny, 90s is coming back now, like, like that we had the 80s come back for a while, and now, mm-hmm. now it's like the 90s are coming back, and... I guess I'm having that reaction that some people might have had when the 80s came back, mm-hmm. which was revulsion. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's o- – I'm only revolted because I'm like – most of the time I'm like, why are you celebrating these things? Celebrate the things that – I mean I want to I want to hear about uh, Lollapalooza. I want to hear about flannel. Um, Nirvana. I mean, Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, I mean – Gosh, the the hippie scene got rein, reinvigorated. I mean, the mood ring was the closest thing I think to that that whole uh, thing happening. You know, Woodstock happening again, and mm-hmm. I mean, I did a lot of you know fish tours and stuff like that. Um, but uh, so my friend is actually going to a fish concert uh, tonight. I I was like, I wish you well, sir. Um, <laughs> it's just not my life anymore. <laughs> um, it's too but, late. That's like going to the movies. It was too late. That's <laughs> yeah. past my bedtime. That's past my bedtime. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, uh, the the Fresh Princess. There wasn't really anything uh, Fresh Prince in this episode, though, right? I mean, I didn't see any Carlton dancing. 
or um, I don't know what else is Fresh Prince known for. I think Carlton dancing is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, this one's written by uh, John Bellina, who uh, wrote "Eat a Knievel" and "You've Got to Hide Your Live Away." Uh, John actually uh, was a guest on the podcast for "Eat a Eat a Knievel" uh, back in the day. Yeah, you weren't on that episode, as you usually go. Oh, there's a there's a guest on. I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm busy that week. Uh, <laughs> Or we might have just done an interview. Um, but uh, I reached out to him to come on to this episode. But, yeah, he's pretty busy actually. And uh, But he wished us well and I really appreciate that, John, if you're listening. He actually says he listens to the podcast, which <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also directed by Tessa Blake who directed uh, Spanking the Zombie and My Really Fair Lady. Ah. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the case of the week. Uh, we have a title card, Hit Me Babino One More Time, which I really should have posted today as one of my favorite because that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything using the characters' names I love. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I centered my comic book post around major because I love major, major puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we have the case of Lori Beth Spano. Make, her makeup is poisoned by rose hip extract. Is that like vi- vitamins, rose hips? Probably it's. I don't know. It could be a vitamin E. Yeah. It could be high in vitamin E, or it could be a a a, a, a aroma, a, a perfume. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't uh, know girly stuff. <laughs> I mean, I know we saw a lot of rose hips in the uh, the dance episode earlier this season, <laughs> but uh, probably that's not the same thing. I just think rose hips are used in perfume for some okay. reason. That's what I'm thinking. Lori Beth was allergic to them and uh, went into a uh, 20-year coma after collapsing on stage from anaphylactic shock at the Miss Future Seattle pageant. Yeah, she probably had a noxic brain injury. Mm. So, sorry, was that medical talk you just – Yeah. Could you, could, you, could you elaborate? What was that? Oh, I don't know. Like a – Anoxic brain injury, like what's you, oxic? You're anoxic, anoxic, uh, anoxic. Okay, yeah, like your brain doesn't get enough oxygen, so your brain like dies. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, Velma Charlotte did three years after uh, prints were found of hers on the compact, and the public defender pressured her to take a plea deal. Um, uh, this was weird. I was wondering, how are we going to go back to the 90s? Like, yeah. what's going to be the premise? Like, how is this going to work? But this, yeah, she's she's stuck in the 90s. Her brain I love it. is stuck in the 90s. Yeah. How perfect. That's pretty brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we got the 80s come in from the, the Ferris Bueller brain, but the kid was just basically like an updated version of Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. And he just so happened to be into 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this girl is literally stuck in the 90s. This brain never got past the 90s. Um, so, uh, and yeah. it was neat to see the girls on the video, on the analog video. <laughs> yes. And the timestamp. And then see them uh, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of a reference to uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is a movie I, I never actually have seen. But uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. You didn't see that one either? Uh, yeah, Liv uh, says, looks like we're going back to the 90s. And I love that Clive's reaction is disgust. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe it's like, oh, I'm feeling old too. Or he's just like, like I don't like, why? Why? Yeah, why do the that? 90s were 
So blah. Uh, so Liv makes herself a brain grubbable, which is a knockoff version of uh, Lunchables, or at least ah. the iZombie version. And uh, I actually uh, looked up Lunchables. Um, Wait, are you not familiar with Lunchables? Oh, no, I am. Uh-huh. Uh, I, and I was just, I was actually looking to see like, oh, why? Why the significance? Why is Lunchables? Lunch- yeah. Why, how is that kind of tied to the 90s? Because my kids still get Lunchables. I think uh-huh. they're garbage, but you know. Uh-huh. They're expensive. <laughs> yeah. They're too yeah. expensive for what they are. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. And like pay like $6 for this package of crackers. <laughs> uh, but uh, Lunchables were actually first introduced in Seattle in 1988. And then they went nationwide in 1989. So this is oh. very clearly like a 90s thing because it probably, you know, blew up in the 90s. And and it's Seattle-centric. So that's, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure if uh, uh, if uh, John Bellina uh, uh, knew that. Maybe, maybe he did. I'm going to assume so. he did. Yeah, throw, probably throw. research and they discovered that. Yeah. So we cut to um, – we have a little scene at Martin's house we'll get to, but at Martin's house, Liv finds a locked door, which triggers a vision of Lori Beth being locked out of her room and then going into Velma's to get the poison compact. So uh, Liv has a, uh, an immediate breakthrough on the case. She calls Clive on the phone and says, you want to do it? What's up? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, we were expecting her to find those. Romero zombies in his house mm-hmm. And she didn't That nope. was a, a big uh... I have a feeling she's going to remember That there's a locked door in there She wasn't really thinking about it then mm. uh, I think this brain is, Has a lot of uh, If if this, this uh, personality Reaches any sort of uh, Confusion she's just pretty much Deer in the headlights <laughs> But uh, so she probably Wasn't like like huh that's weird It was more like she got to the locked door and she had a vision and she got distracted. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Lori, uh, sorry, uh, Liv calls uh, Clive on the phone. We have this great music bump of uh, Wannabe by Spice Girls, and uh, which ends with the, uh, the zigzag ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I found some trivia on Wannabe. Okay. Um, so uh, the zigzag ah. Is mm-hmm. apparently a uh, subtle reference to an 80s musician. They didn't say who in this article, uh, but uh, he was recording in the same studio as the Spice Girls and, you know, was a real jerk to them. And they shared a studio bra- bathroom with him and they nicknamed him Shit and Cigars. <laughs> so this might have been their, like, Zigzagah, Shit and Cigars. Uh. <laughs> Because the bathroom always smelled like it. And who was it? They didn't say in the article. It's an 80s musician that was recording at the same studio as Spice Girls were uh, recording their album Spice. So I in don't know. In London? I, I, I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, mm. So maybe some knowledgeable music fan will look that up and let us know. <laughs> uh, Liv's attire. What, what, what do you think? She's wearing a pink sweater, a little white collar with like, I don't know, is rhinestones on those? Mm-hmm. She looks adorable, which she, she always does looks look adorable. adorable. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that's 90s. Like I can't. 90s fashion was like so nothing to me that I can't. <laughs> that looks like something she would wear all the time. She just looks adorable. Yeah, 
I don't know. There's a hot pink. No, it's not really hot. Hot pink. It's more like a light pink. Mm-hmm. Bright, maybe bright it's colors. the uh, it's the length of the sweater. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe sweaters and, and blouses were short. You know. I don't know. In the nineties, you know, pants came up higher, mm-hmm. and blouses came up higher. I'm not sure. I don't know. She looks She's cute. wearing some cute yellow hoops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like they actually look like phone cords. Those little yellow hoops, like really tight phone cords. Uh, and she says, uh, Clive, I've got to give you the 411 on my vision. <laughs> and then she says, uh, she says 143 before she hangs up. <laughs> you know what 143 means? No. You don't? No. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, that's good because I did some research on 143. I mean, I know what it means. Uh, but according to dictionary.com, I don't, I don't know why I found this article on dictionary.com, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Sounds sounds like uh, it might be true. <clears throat> the story begins in 1895. Uh, the Minnows Ledge Lighthouse off the coast of Cohasset, Massachusetts, which uh, I can't believe I got out um, of my mouth. But <clears throat> uh, when the lighthouse changed its flash pattern after a recommendation that all lighthouses have numerical flash sequences, uh, the order one quick flash, four flashes, and then three flashes was apparently chosen at random. In 1915, I, I just uh, – by the way, I love the fact that this story actually begins in the 90s, the 1890s. <laughs> um, in 1915, a new assistant light, lighthouse keeper, Win, Win, Winfield Scott Thompson, came to the Minnows Ledge Lighthouse. His family lived on a neighboring island and could see the flash of the lighthouse at night. According to legend, Mary Thompson, Win, Winfield's wife, told their children that it was the I Love You flash. Their father's ah. way of telling them how much he loved them across the water. Each flash corresponded to the number of letters in each word of the phrase, I love you. Hmm. And, yeah. The tale proved so popular so much so that the Minnows Ledge Lighthouse is nicknamed the I Love You Lighthouse. Also, uh, Mr. Rogers was famously fond of the number 143 to the point that his wife said he kept his weight at 143. And uh, he actually had a – you can find it on YouTube. He he explains it to the postal man what 143 Oh, I think I saw that before. Yeah, Ah. yeah. That that was uh, Won't Won't You Be My Neighbor, that documentary. Uh, More related to our story – Pagers were popular in the late 80s and early 90s. The devices yeah. had limited space for messages and not all of them supported text. As a workaround, people used codes like 411 for information and 911 to symbolize emergency. They also mm-hmm. used 143 for I love you. Ah. Yeah. And, of course, 143 is also used in uh, the early days of internet chat rooms and text messages. So, yeah, that's your 143 history lesson. Wow. <laughs> I regret not being able to use that in in my life. <laughs> I mean, we can use it right now if you want. One, one, one four, three stuff. Okay. <laughs> one, four, three. <laughs> um, all right. Liv, Liv preve- prepares her vision board, which I thought is hilarious because, you know, it's a vision board, but it's her, her vision. Put it together. Yeah. Uh, drinking an orange Laguna Sun instead of a Capri Sun. Uh. <laughs> And watching videotape. And we see a clip of Velma saying, everything is coming up Velma, which uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, from The Simpsons, everything's coming up Millhouse. I'm sure it's, I think it's a, everything's coming up Rosie or something like that. And yeah, everything's coming up Roses. That's a, roses. is that out of Broadway? 
Yeah, yeah, some musical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, don't add us. Uh, and Lori Beth saying, you can accomplish anything. Which, yeah, I love the uh, the the little sayings that Liv says through that, throughout this because, you know, uh, beauty pageant winners are often often have to give it's out. It's from Gypsy. Oh, that's from Gypsy? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, you know, I, I – Beauty pageant uh, winners have to be, you know, to be looked upon as like leaders as well, right? Like they have to be like role models, so they have to have these kind of canned um, lines, uh-huh. ready, but, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, so Liv says Velma was the target. She mapped out a timeline on her vision board, and she says uh, during Carly's ribbon dance song, uh, <laughs> Camp, Camp Town Races was playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was funny. Uh, I was like, Camptown races. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually paused it because I saw something else on her vision board. Right next to uh, the words uh, Carly's Ribbon Dance song was another cutout with the words Barbie Girl. So I'm assuming they wanted to use Barbie Girl. They assumed uh. they were getting Barbie Girl and they had to use Camptown races in the end, which is probably like, you know, public domain. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a million years old. <laughs> yeah. Because it stood out to me, I was like, "Why would anybody want to do a routine to Camp Town races?" <laughs> I know, right? Of all things, <laughs> and even in the nineties, <laughs> yeah, Camp Town races. Uh, so I, I just kind of imagine Camp Town races as like a, a last minute addition by by Izombie. Like, I don't know, uh, Camp Town races sounds good. <laughs> Throw that on. That's free. <laughs> don't use Happy Birthday though. <laughs> uh, so we meet Lori Beth's parents, Alex and Gail. Uh, Alex is played by Francisco Trujillo. 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 I'm, I'm sorry, sir, if I messed up your name. He was actually in the episode Eda Knievel, uh, another John Bellina episode. Um, he played uh, director. That's what his credit is. I'm assuming he was like a director of one of the the, the prankster guys. Um, oh, things. yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gail is played by Wanda Cannon, who is in the Canadian show uh, Heartland. Mm-hmm. But uh, more more special to me, she was the mom on the old Jerry O'Connell show, My Secret Identity. <laughs> never heard of it. You never saw it? Oh, that was like a syndicated hit. I mean, he oh. like flew with spray cans or something. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, I'm starting a podcast about that and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, no. <laughs> so uh, Clive and Liv both uh, – Intr- introduce Liv like this is Liv Moore and it's just like I'm Liv Moore and they both and she says Jinx. Oh yeah, <laughs> love Jinx. Uh, love Coke. Gail drops uh, a damning uh, piece of evidence here by saying that she she shot this video. She was behind the camera the entire time, which will come back and bite her. Yeah, she should have watched it before she made those claims. Yeah, and she looks very shifty when we see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So the next chapter title is Compact Dis, and we're talking to Velma in the interrogation room. And um, Liv says, "Oh, I think you're innocent." And then she says, "What makes America great is we are a nation of laws, and you are innocent <laughs> until proven guilty." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and Velma says she was railroaded into a false confession because she couldn't afford a lawyer, which you know. Is very much uh, <laughs> uh, America. Uh, and Liv says, uh, "Well, what makes America great is well, uh, what we're what we're doing now." And this is like again, the, like the first like deer in headlights moment. 
She has like this smile on her oh, face, and she's yeah. like, "I have no idea what to say right now." Yeah, and she seems very, you know, teenagery when she does that. She yeah. she has she has um, these statements prepared, but yes. she can't really uh, ad lib them. She can't. They only take her so far, and then she has to like just give up. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, this is probably one of those things like Lori Beth was prepared to say at the pageant. Like, what do you think makes America great, Lori mm-hmm. Beth? And oh, it's where a nation of laws and yeah. Uh, Velma uh, says that Elise Falcon, an- another great name here, uh, puts oil on her put oil on her tap shows in a uh, previous pageant. So um, maybe you know Elise is known for pranking. Um, so. Velma admits she did have a grudge against Lori Beth. She had all the advantages, and Velma just wanted to go to Juilliard. And Liv asks if she could cry on cue, and Velma says, it, "You know, Juilliard was important to her once, but all she wants to do now is get back to her mom's chicken farm." And she's in tears, and you know, and Liv is just blown right away. <laughs> oh, I think even Clive was moved by it, yeah, but he didn't want to admit it. Right but at the end, he's like, kind of like has a little sinus problem all of a sudden. <laughs> But is this where where Liv goes Broadway? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're back in the morgue, and Liv and Clive are reviewing the pageant tape. Uh, Lori Beth screwed up the flute solo, which tied her with Elise, but not Velma. And Liv says, "Ironic, right?" <laughs> and Clive Clive disagrees and tells her to f- define ironic. Yeah, we've been having this discussion for 25 years. What is ironic? I don't think you know what it means. I I, I mean, we've had this – like uh the society has had this discussion. Oh, gosh. I mean, I know I have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I, – of course, we took took a while to get to recording this week, so I I did some extra uh, (laughs) writing on my own. So here's what I wrote about that. Okay, so – for the record, irony is the experience of something that is contrary to what you might expect to happen and as a result can be deemed humorous or amusing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we were all very screwed up by the ironic song by Alanis yeah. Morissette. <laughs> Rain on your wedding day. That's not ironic. That's just, It's an unfortunate are, coincidence. <laughs> yeah. These are terrible things that happen. They're not funny. Yeah, these for are example, not funny things. For example, rain on your wedding day. You weren't guaranteed that there would be no rain. If you had rain on your wedding day and you got married in a desert, that would be ironic. <laughs> uh, the other one I wrote down was a uh, black fly in your Chardonnay. That's another unfortunate coincidence. If you're drinking Chardonnay in a hermetically sealed chamber in the middle of a long space voyage, you look down and you see a black fly just appear out of nowhere and land in your glass. You definitely weren't expecting any flies in that hermetically sealed, sealed chamber. Uh, that's That's ironic. Uh, but again, like I, I, I know I was screwed up by it. Um, but that's so, why I always tell uh, tell my daughter. I was like, "Look, Morgan, in the past, we didn't think about word about song <laughs> lyrics. We didn't give them much thought, like nope. you do now." No. Nope. So I, I trace this back. Ironic actually came out in 1995, but there was an even earlier offender in 1994, and that was with the movie Reality Bites. Uh, Winona Ryder is asked by. Um, I think like a, a publisher or something she's trying to get a job with and uh, she's like define irony and Winona has no idea. She's like, but I'm, I know, I know irony if I'll see it. If I see oh, yeah, it. I do too. Like when you read the the definition, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. Like I yeah. couldn't tell you what it is, but I recognize it when I see it. And the next scene, she goes to a cafe and talks to Ethan Hawke and he just automatically is like, oh, it's a, when the actual meaning is the complete opposite from the literal meaning. 
And that's not right. <laughs> no, it's, <when laughs> no. it's something. When the, oh, that's funny. You know, it's yeah. like something funny. It's something that was definitely not going to happen. And when it does happen, it's kind of uh, amusing. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I had to look all this up. I I, <laughs> I blame Alanis Morissette, Ethan Hawke, and my ability to learn anything <laughs> other than random trivia about TV shows. <laughs> so uh, there you go. <laughs> Maybe I'll just now have it in my head. I learned this from... Uh, talking about iZombie, what irony actually is. When people say something's ironic or there's irony in that, and I, I, I understand them, uh-huh. but I'm not sure if I ever like use I- ironic or irony in in my own vocab- vocabulary without feeling like nervous about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, you can, you can spot it easier than you can. Yeah, like I know what it is if I hear it. <laughs> just like yeah. Winona. <laughs> All right, so we go to the interrogation room with Elise Falcon, who is a realtor for zombies. Uh, her company is called Made to Rest. And she says she's working with Euphrates to get a house flipping show on their network. So I love how Euphrates is now definitely Amazon. Elise <laughs> <laughs> uh, is like so – is very catty. Uh, she's so like, oh, yeah, I totally, totally oiled up those tap shoes but uh, did not prank Velma. But – Guess what? Megan Sawinski was sleeping with the pageant director, Jake, and maybe Velma caught uh, – sorry, Velma caught them. So maybe maybe Megan was getting revenge on Velma um, even though um, Elise admits that she was actually the one that blabbed about uh, <laughs> Jake and Megan uh, sleeping together. And then she's like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're thinking maybe Megan was in Lori Beth's – dressing room and that's why it was locked you know she was in there with jake and uh and then when she came out she ducked into velma's room to poison the compact um and elise says you know she would have won that pageant if the, that all that drama didn't go down so uh uh clive uh, off screen does a phone interview with megan she used the makeup too but has had no reaction there's this whole backstory on megan i didn't even write down i was like all right too much too much mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so, so the makeup wasn't spiked uh, then. So this narrowed, narrows the timeline down even more. So they go to the tapes and that's when they spot Gail going backstage. And uh, Liv says, U-G-L-Y. She ain't got no alibi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Clive says she still, he, they still needed a confession from her. So in the next chapter, the parent trap, which, I mean, kind of annoyed me because I'm a Haley Mills purist. You know, I don't see Lindsay Lohan parent trap movies, and uh, if they're on the TV, I turn them off. Haley Mills or 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 bust. Um, maybe that's speaking to my age, but um, but yeah, I, I'm just assuming they use the chapter title, the parent trap, because maybe the maybe the remake came out in the '90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it's definitely the trap because it's, they're trying to trap the parent. But I don't know. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan. That was Lindsay Lohan's very '90s. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, early two thousand. It was Mean Girls, like two thousand or something. Yeah. yeah, but Lindsay Lohan, child actress. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So Liv invites Gail to watch in the other room as Velma confesses, and Velma puts on quite a tearful performance. And uh, Clive actually uh, does a great performance uh, interrogating her as well. Um, and so Gail breaks down and confesses to Liv, and Liv hugs her and set, you know shows that you know she was secretly uh, recording her, which I, I thought to myself was like, was there any need for that? It sounded like Gail was like ready to you know get it off her chest, get it off her chest and confess, you know, 
her telling somebody that works at the police station isn't something that you just kind of do and then I don't know. I guess yeah. maybe they were you, worried if she you, deny it. If you if you confess it in a police station, even though you're not being interrogated, you know it's you know you're it's you're confessing. Mm. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, Liv is victorious about having the confession, and I guess uh, Gail is going to be uh, serving some time for the murder of her own daughter. But, you know, I mean, maybe it was accidental. So it's yet again another person that's going to go down for a crime. They they really didn't mean to commit, you know. They're not a bad, bad person. Yeah. Uh, a, little, a little too invested in their daughter uh, winning a beauty pageant. But um, Oh, yeah. Stage mom. Stage mom. Uh, all right. So we're going to go on to Robbie and Peyton's case. Uh, it kind of starts off with Robbie and Clive, though. Um, Robbie excitedly tells... Clive, he saw the name Fiend Pole Bob in an old arrest report, and uh, Liv is on her brain, and she says, "Great, Ravi, it's like I always say: if you work hard and believe in yourself, you can accomplish anything." She says, "Cool beans, Ravi. <laughs> cool beans, Ravi." Yeah. <laughs> uh, the arrest report was for a dealer that was busted the day after the boat party with Utopium, and they're like, and he's like, "Oh, maybe it was the tainted stuff." And Liv interjects, drugs are the biggest issue facing young people today. (laughs) And Ravi says the dealer made bail, then vanished, and maybe he was murdered by Mr. Boss. And then Liv says, "Uh, murder is almost always bad, but uh, I I don't know. (laughs) Deer in the headlights. Yeah, she Uh, couldn't come up with a good platitude. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the utopium's in the uh, evidence room, and um, uh, Liv says, snaps for Ravi. And Ravi says, did she eat the entire cast of Clueless? <laughs> and I had to look it up. Snaps is uh, apparently something that was used in the movie Clueless, which is a movie I've seen a couple times. So I just, I'm not one that remembers all those. That wasn't like a huge movie for me. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if it was from Clueless, but I know that Snaps is like. Um, Are you snapping right now? Yeah, I'm to, snapping. To think. To think about it's like when you don't want to clap, you snap. It's like uh-huh. a, what was what were we watching that it was like a less um, less aggressive form of clapping. Uh huh. Oh, know. oh, that was Greek. Oh, Greek. Yeah. Was did Greek come out in the nineties? <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> Not important. <laughs> All right, well, we go down to the evidence room where Ravi uh, is here for the first time. <laughs> um. And we meet Sergeant Sloat, who is a stickler for the rules. And he says, you don't like it? Change the incentives. <laughs> Which, uh, oh, man, that sucks, man. Um, what, does th- what does that mean? Well, I think it's like if you want good service, you know, give me give me, you know, a good reward. Maybe he's looking for a raise or he's been paid the same for or he's worked long hours without any sort oh. of. Inc- yeah. Okay. I was just thinking he's overworked and he's kind of begrudging anybody that comes down and messes with his evidence. Uh, so uh, the evidence box is empty and he says, Sergeant Paul wasn't a stickler, see? <laughs> and we find out this was uh, – this this case was worked on by a Sergeant Mosier who uh, was a bad cop who worked for the Blue Cobras. And I'm like, oh, Blue Cobras, I know what that means. <laughs> And he got murdered. Um, just so you know, in, in the the subtitles, uh, Sergeant Mosier's name is spelled M-O-S-H-E-R. So, I mean, I would pronounce that Mosher. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it's a, that's a win for my kind of 90s. Um, so what? That, 
Moshing. Oh. <laughs> That's a win for me. I'm going to take that one. <laughs> you never got any mosh pit stuff? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Once I got my eyes corrected and I, I could go around without wearing glasses, uh, that's when I got into those a little bit more. But uh, oh. I stayed right away from those when I had glasses. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Robbie is getting psyched up to interview AJ, who's being brought in, telling Peyton, no, oh, you don't need to be here. And uh, Peyton says, me and AJ go way back, which I thought was hilarious. Do you know why? Uh, I just, I can't remember why. Well, well, I mean, you know, she and AJ, you know, she's probably the per- you know person to help put AJ away. Mm-hmm. But Ali Machaka's sister's name is AJ. Oh, <laughs> so she really does. She really does go back, way back. Um, I love AJ. Yeah, the the character or uh, yes, the Ali's char- sister. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I like her too. She's cute. Yeah. Uh, they were awesome in concert, and AJ was the smiliest. That's for sure. Allie is more of the more of the the intense. Oh, you could you could see their faces. You were that close. Oh man, I got right up there. Oh, well, not in the front, but yeah, it was a, it was a it was a kind of a small venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, AJ returns once again. Tim Chu, uh, who is awesome on this show, and uh, I'm really really love when he shows up. Um, and uh, they he immediately gets into an intense stare off with Ravi. <laughs> Which Peyton has to break up. Uh, so Ravi asks about Mosier, and Peyton promises has to promise him a, a, a TV. She says downgrades it to twenty inches, and AJ is cool with that. Uh, he says he wanted to get a hold of Utopian because they didn't have it, the Blue Cobras. And uh, again, this is kind of like a like a, almost like a little I don't know updating retconning of the mythology because mm-hmm. you know Mister Boss, uh, uh, we were told. Mr. Boss got it from overseas, like, and we assumed it. I think it, I think it was kind of mentioned it was through the Blue Cobras somehow, but yeah, and it seems like it's it's now they're now saying it's kind of the other way around. The Blue Cobras were like a competing, and uh, Mr. Boss was in charge of it uh, with uh, Beanpole Bill Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, AJ said they wanted to get a hold of the Utopium because they didn't have it. They so they got the Utopium. And they wanted to get the Utopium, copy the recipe, kill the cook, and take over the game. Uh, so they did shoot uh, Beanbag Bill, as he says, on his doorstep. But the vials they got were filled with water. Uh, somebody got into that evidence room first. So now Peyton and Ravi go back to talk to Sergeant Sloat. And uh, he is a lot nicer to Peyton. Huge high zombie fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's he say? I'm such a Ed or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's anybody on this show that you think you're such a, or who do you think you're closest to being a, such a me? Yeah. Oh, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm closest to Ravi. I was, I would assume. Um, yeah. I'm probably closer to Clive. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so they find out the evidence uh, before it was taken out by Mosher was taken out by a Dr. Barkley Shexnader from Picanol Labs. And he turns the monitor and we see it's a picture of who we assume is Donnie. Mm-hmm. So Ravi goes to the, to the, I almost said the scratching post, Donnie be goods. 
And uh, Donnie's behind the bar dressed in flannel and a winter hat. We'll be talking about um, why, but he's using like a tough guy accent, trying to be, trying to act like a dead ender and trying, trying it out on uh, Ravi. Yeah. I don't think Donnie knows what on the waterfront is. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it, but I got the reference. (laughs) Yeah. So Donnie tells Ravi that you can tell it was his dumb brother because the, you know, the, the droopy ear, he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he, his are like up, up, up tight or something. Like he said, mm-hmm. um, and he assumes that maybe Scotty took the utopium on orders from Mister Boss, and he says he was living in his mom's basement after being so messed up after the boat party and before he got checked into the asylum. So this is interesting, and I believe Tim brings this up in an email uh, we'll be getting into in the feedback section of uh, he reminded reminding us that in the first season. Uh, during Astro Burger, I'm going to clear away some of those cobwebs in your mind, stuff. Okay. In the in the episode Astro Burger, when um, Liv was on Scott E. Brain, um, Liv and uh, what she thought was Johnny Frost mm-hmm. went into Scotty's apartment. Yeah. And searched it for like a I think a phone or something. They're looking for the video of uh, what turns out to be Liv eating brains uh, after the boat party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, so Tim pointed out in his email that, uh, why are they saying that Scotty was living with his mother? He was, he was living in an apartment. Cause that didn't happen. That was just in her, her no, no, She, they, they physically went to an apartment together oh. and, and searched it. Yeah. Yeah. Went through an, through a computer. He was big into chess. They went and looked at chess videos and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Okay. <laughs> This is where I'm like, uh, my brain is like uh, uh, melting on itself. Uh, Scotty was living in the apartment uh, around the time before before the boat party. They're saying in this episode that Donnie was living in his mom's basement after be- being so messed up by the boat party. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming uh, that the episode in kind of a retconny way are saying, yeah, he had an apartment. I mean, they don't say it explicitly, but if you wanted to kind of connect it, he had an apartment, but after that boat party, he, you know, he wanted his mother. He was really frightened and scared and didn't want to live on his own. So yeah, he still had that apartment, but he went and lived in his mom's basement and then got checked into an asylum. The one thing that doesn't quite pan out though, um, is the fact that, uh, they, they talk about in, um, I think in dialogue with like Blaine and Donnie. That Scotty was disowned by his parents uh, after he got busted on drugs for the first time. So, I, I, so that's another kind of hole in the whole story I'm making up. But I'm assuming now he was selling drugs. He went to the boat party, got scared for his life about the existence of zombies, ran home to his mother, had a tearful reunion, and was taken back in. And then she checked him into the insane asylum. That's the way I'm putting it together. Hope you're happy with that, Tim, and any other hardco- hardcore iZombie uh, history aficionados. <laughs> because I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And so, so yeah, that's why this utopium is assumed to be in uh, Donnie's mom's basement. Okay? Does that- <laughs> I know, I just like said a whole thing. Nerds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nerds is an 80s reference. Thank you. Gosh. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right, so so we go to uh, Mom E's basement. The chapter title is Bargain Basement. Uh, and Ravi is immediately distracted by the tasteful mid-century lamp, <laughs> he says. And they start to search around, and they find Blaine sitting there smirking at them in the dark. This was the best scene of the whole episode. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, Team Pavi breaking and entering. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just... What did, you, did you just say Pavi? Yeah. You know it's Charles Crabarty. The show says Team Pavi. No, the show's wrong. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's Charles Crabarty. Just because these guys can't write that out in the script does not mean that it is any less of, of <laughs> a, 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 a thing. Okay. Sorry. Huh? This, But this was adorable. Uh, because... <laughs> Because oh, am I, Peyton, am I distracting from what you're saying? <laughs> yes, because Peyton. Okay, you're like, oh my gosh, Peyton is the acting mayor, and she's, you know, committing a crime. But mm-hmm. she's with Robbie. It's going to be okay. Uh, and then she, you know, she's making all these promises. You're like, mm-hmm. like this is a great Peyton episode. She, you know, yeah, she to do so much. Okay. And I, lo- I love that Robbie kind of remi- again reminds us, as we've been reminded throughout the season, how evil Blaine is. Like. Uh, it, by saying we don't want to bar- bargain with a kid murdering, cure thieving piece of, and then gets cut off by Peyton. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peyton does agree. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll release uh, one of your impounded vehicles and and give you any ask for a handicap placard. <laughs> and, and Blaine does try to like sidle up, like be all cutesy with her, but it's awesome. You're it's it's so true. Uh, uh, Team Chakrabarty because she is not having it, <laughs> not interested. Which is awesome because yeah. I don't I don't want to see them ever ever break up and uh, I think I'm pretty certain that unless somebody dies uh, they're not breaking up by the end of this ser- series and if they kill off one of those two at the end of this series we're not going to be happy. <laughs> why do you, wait? Why do you assume that? It's just see I need a series. I'm like anybody's up in the air. Like uh, you know the actors playing the characters are not going to have jobs after this so it's not going to be a big deal if one of these characters gets killed off it's going to be a big deal to the story it's going to be a big deal to the fans but i don't know aren't you assuming that there's going to be somebody is going to go down at the end of the no, series it's going nobody to be, everybody's going to no. live yeah it's going to be rainbows and popsicles right. and puppy dogs it's going to be great it better be <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, the the, the series finale is uh, all's well that ends well. That's what it's titled. So hopefully that means, uh, you know, unless everybody's trapped in a well, that's not like a well pun. Um, we're, we're all good. Um, all right. So <laughs> I, I, I love how after this, uh, we have a, like a quick little scene with Liv talking to Peyton on the phone. And that her uh-huh. ex is such a peg. She definitely traded up. <laughs> Uh, Robbie's so much better. He's a, a Prince Junior with a little Vanderbeek with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Love the shout out to Vanderbeek. You know, uh, listen to our other podcasts. We don't want to wait for your complete Dawson's Creek coverage <laughs> and then some. Uh, all right. Uh, so Peyton looks into the Beanpole Bob murder report, says there's no body. So maybe he was a zombie that survived the gunshots. Sh- they can check his address. And uh, maybe he's got the tainted utopium. And Ravi is delighted. He thought they hit a dead end here um, and calls her a badass superwoman. Mm-hmm. And then she reveals that she was fired as mayor 
because she sold the naming rights to the Space Needle. And what a, what a surprise. I mean, we, she, she predicted it. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew it was coming. She knew it was coming, but it was just kind of sad. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. Now she she can do whatever. She can make all these promises. She can do whatever she wants now because she is not acting mayor. Does that take her executive producer rights? I mean, she, she, is she going to go straight into show business working for uh, Euphrates Prime? Uh. <laughs> I don't know. Does that anything that she probably was studying for or worked towards? I mean, she was a DA. I also actually did wonder, like, oh, does that mean she's not like a she can't be DA anymore? I mean, that's probably a she's yeah, she's still a big... lawyer. She didn't get disbarred. Yeah, I guess she didn't get disbarred. I wonder if she can still work for the city though, as a district attorney, or if she's going to be. Oh, you know. Maybe she's going to work like a open like a defense attorney's office. For I don't think it matters, right? Zombies now. or something. I'm just wondering about her future, and oh. I hope she definitely doesn't die. Anyway, she says she didn't say, she didn't say anything because they were having fun, and she says Team Pavi, and Ravi says that's got a good ring, and I say no, it doesn't. It is the most <laughs> simplest way to put those names together. I mean, yeah, it is. It's simple. I mean, the Robbie's last name is Chakrabarty. Peyton's last name is Charles. So why not just put those together? Peyton and Robbie, the names don't go together. At least I didn't use the word, the name Rayton. I'm just not, not a fan of Rayton. <laughs> Rayton mm-hmm. sounds even more. All right, I'm going to take a time out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, I I, lo- I, I also love uh, – just kidding. I really love this scene uh, uh, and I love it. At the end of the scene, uh, Peyton is, says, you know, by the way, the stuff I promised Blaine is definitely not happening. And Robbie's like, I love you so much <laughs> because, you know, any way to really screw over Blaine is he's very happy with. Uh, as am I, you know, as much as we love Blaine, uh, I, don't, I don't like him having good things in life. <laughs> um – so uh, that's it for the Peyton and Ravi on the case stuff. I think I was, forgot something, but uh, maybe not. All right. Let's move on. To, I mean, there's stuff that happens at the end of the episode, but I'm, I'm kind of saving it. Okay. Let's move on to what I call family ties, which is uh, the Martin and Eva stuff. All right. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, the chapter title is Father of the Died. D-Y-E-D. Um, what does that mean? I'm assuming because of his hair. Father of the... I don't right. get it. Right. Well, we're going to get to your favorite part of the episode, actually. You, you you misplaced your favorite part of the episode. I'm about to tell it to you. Uh, okay. Liv checks in via FaceTime with Martin. He's just detoxing. He's kind of shaky, but working on it. And uh, actually... Before we get to your get to your favorite part, uh, do you believe he's detoxing? Is he actually seriously detoxing? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't he know. Seems if he's so faking. genuine with this stuff, but he does. He's faking it, and like he makes this remark about you know when it when it when it all comes down. I hope that we're on the same team, or and you're like oh, you yeah. know you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you he's don't definitely know. working them, but I'm wondering about the the the. The drug part is like this. Is this going to be? Is this like the 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 trials and tribulations he has to go through to get live on his side to, by dropping? Yeah, is he Utopium? is he scheming? Is is he up to something? Is he is? I'm assuming Liv would know if he's high or not. You know, is so, he being genuine? I don't yeah. know. 
All right, so we move on uh, to uh, Major, who is very happy about the Asiago Jalapeno Bagels lives. Oh lives my God! So there you and go. It they it's amazing. <laughs> Veggie cream cheese, folks. I got a couple of messages already this week it's about so Asiago Jalapeno Bagels. Delicious. <laughs> I'm not into hot stuff, so uh, it's not. It's not hot. It's not hot. It just, I don't believe you. Spicy? It's got to be some sort of spice to no, that. No, it it just gives it a little, a little, just a barely a jalapeno taste. Just barely. Mm. It's just delicious. It's just it, that's my breakfast. That's what I eat. All right. Well, all right. Well, I'm gonna come so, to your work, and if you just give me a bike. Well, just, I mean, like I'm bite. sure you have one of these places <laughs> near you. Do you have an oh. Aubon pain? Are you saying I can't? I I shouldn't travel to Alabama to have these? No, you don't have to come to Alabama to get a Asiago jalapeno. <laughs> Bagel with veggie cream cheese. Do you have Aubon Payne? Uh, Spreck and see Deutsch? I'm they're just all over I, I New know, York. I know what they're called. <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm nothing nearby. I live in Vermont. Well, I mean, uh, I can't believe that we have this in Alabama because, you know, like I got off the air, I got off the airplane in LaGuardia and there's an, the first thing I see is an Aubon Payne. I was huh. like, oh my God. You know, like you don't want to eat someplace you eat when would you eat it, eat there from work all the time? Right. It's ugh, subway. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it, I see. I, I go and jalapeno bagel with veggie cream cheese is the bomb. That's why bomb. I thought maybe this was your favorite part of the episode because it reminded you of something that you yes. love very much. Well, no, I mean I love Peyton. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, you've actually met Peyton. That's one thing I can't say I have. I, I've been in the same room as her at her concert, but that was it. That was it. Well, at DragonCon <laughs> this year, we're getting Malcolm Goodwin. We're getting David Anders. We're getting Raul. We're getting yes. Rose. We're getting Allie. If you meet if you meet David Anders, that will that will complete the circle. Like mm-hmm. you will have met Allie and David, and I've met everybody else. And obviously, you're going to be meeting a bunch of other people as well. I mean, you've already met Rose, so mm-hmm. so yeah, we'll, we'll complete the cycle. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do yeah, like just, a, a special bonus mini sode after you come back from Dragon Con, so you can just talk for just ten minutes. <laughs> like if I do talk, if I do meet them, I mean, I, I don't, you know, you just you don't know what. What might happen? You don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows what the future holds. That's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, one depressing factor from this moment is that Ravi uh, Major says that Ravi's not feeding him, and the bromance is gone. <laughs> Which uh, I know he's joking, but it, it does kind of remind you, like, oh man, we're not getting a lot of Major and Ravi in this, you know? Uh huh. Uh, I know the hashtag Roger Endgame um, are uh, probably upset about this, so. I just said a bunch of words to you, didn't I? You, you were like, "What?" <laughs> Endgame. Ro- what? Hashtag Roger Endgame. That's the people that, that uh, are rooting for Ravi and, and Major to be together in the end. Oh, of, of the that's series. that's silly. Uh, Maddie, send your hate mail to <laughs> Steph well, directly because Rob, because Ravi's gonna be with Peyton and Major and live or what if they OTP? could all just live together? Yeah. They can all live together. They can all sit on the couch together like they were watching High Zombie and they can just mm-hmm. be like a group couple. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because Liv and Peyton are close, you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> Liv uh, asked Martin about the – or asked Major about the Utopium Detox. And Major said that Martin should be past the worst part by now. So uh, maybe he is detoxing? I don't know. 
But the next part is Liv finding Martin unconscious on the floor. So could that be, you know, if if he's past the worst part by now, maybe he isn't detoxing. I don't know if that's a if that's a clue because that's the next time where we kind of see Martin is he's he unconscious. If he's past the worst part by now, then uh, maybe he isn't detoxing. Maybe there. I don't know. Of course, then again, Martin being unconscious on the floor could also be a, the you know the setup. I mean, I'm I'm sh- I'm assuming it's totally the setup, right? He has oh. to get it to Liv's house. Oh, uh huh. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Could go either way. Probably so. We'll see. We'll see. There's going to be some big revelations. I'm assuming next episode because, uh, uh, well, we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, the next chapter title is "Take a Bite Out of Slime," <laughs> uh, and that's how uh, Martin meets Major. Major brings some brain tubes over to uh, kind of revitalize him. And uh, Liv, you know, wants to watch him at her home, and uh, and that's when she looks around and finds a locked door. And hmm, mm-hmm. that's interesting. At the at the house, uh, Peyton makes uh, not at the house, I should say. They they live in Peyton's apartment. Uh, Peyton makes uh, chicken noodle gloop for Martin, which sounds positively atrocious. Um. And this is when he notes, oh, Liv's got a lot of friends in high places. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then it says, oh, your job must be tough because of the whole zombie-human relation problems. And then we go to a newscast. We see Mayor Peyton inviting everyone to come out to Piesta. And Liv comes in and calls her Pay Nizzle and says she's super bugging from the case at work. And we then see her mood ring. And Liv says it's purple because she's happy. And Peyton tells Martin that she and Liv made it work, you know, speaking of zombies and humans, and gives her a hug and says she lives with the best zombie of them all. And uh, I have to say, squee at the Liv and Peyton moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, besties forever. Um, I'm 44. Anyway, uh, so oh, Eva. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, what did I, did I just say that? <laughs> I know what you mean. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Eva shows up uh, to lives with a very sick Evan. Who has filled out. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I I was actually worried that whether people would recognize him or not, because he usually wore glasses and he was, you know, like thinner and younger looking. And now he, he definitely looks like he's been working on the waterfront, you know? Yeah. Uh, And, and it it would be better if he was, if he was, if he wasn't so bulked up, yeah, if, you know, to to look sick, he doesn't. He de- he physically doesn't look sick. You, oh yeah, so he should have been like kind of more. Um, I mean, it would it would have been nice, yeah, if he had been, but he just has grown <laughs> up and filled out and bulked up and looks completely different. Uh, so the, so apparently he's sick because of the explosion. Like it it not only, you know, messed him up and he needed that blood transfusion and all that, but we find out here that he got burn scar carcinoma from Mm. the explosion and, uh, he is, uh, he's dying. He's, he's gonna, he's really, really sick. And they, she's, Eva's tried everything, you know, in Seattle and now she needs to get to get him to this experimental facility in Boston. She says mm-hmm. the subtitles, by the way, said Atlanta, oh. which 
I was like, huh, that's weird. Maybe they didn't. They changed it at the last minute because we know Dr. Collier is in Atlanta and maybe they didn't want to make it seem like that whole plot line was going to cross over. Like Evan had to go to the CDC or something. Mm-hmm. So Eva says she needs to get Evan out. Liv thinks maybe Evan could qualify for the whole Fillmore Grave exit program. And she says they didn't make the cut. Which, uh, man, cold, Major. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Major's like, oh, I can't look like I'm showing favoritism. Yeah, yeah. Major's like, yeah, no. She, she, they, they haven't talked to Liv, so uh, I'm not helping them out. Uh, Eva says, uh, uh, you know, and so Eva needs the help of Renegade. And she even says cold, like, oh, man, this is cold, too. If she could do this without her, she would. Mm. So Liv says she doesn't want to, you know, ask this, but maybe she should scratch Evan and Eva refuses. Oh, yeah. And Martin steps out and says, why not? Liv turned out okay. Being the. Yeah, it's uh, good enough for our daughter. I'm the dad. I'm the good dad. I'm the good parent. Uh, Eva is stunned and then outraged at Liv uh, for taking his side. And Liv says she's not taking sides. She's trying to hold everyone together. She just wants everyone to be happy. Um, I mean, and I can see her point of view. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, turning somebody into a zombie—that's last ditch effort. That's that's the the last thing that you do. And she would rather both of her children not be zombies if she yeah. can if she can help her son without him becoming a zombie. I gotta say, it's it's really weird. There's been some. Um, let me get to the end of this, but but mm-hmm. because it, some of the other stuff that she says brings out this uh, theory that I've seen on on the net that I wanted to talk about. But um, <clears throat> uh, uh, so Evan comes out and asks, you know, who's Martin and what's with the rug? Uh-huh. <laughs> which which I'm just like, finally, someone said something. <laughs> like, how do you just like be in the room with that hair and not be like, hey, so uh, what? What's up with the? I mean, I guess they're just kind of like trying to be polite, and um, must be like a you know a bad toupee and whatever. But I'm I'm really curious about what's going on under there. He's got that chrome dome we saw when we first saw him. What's up mm-hmm. with that? Well, when he was shot by Stacy Boss's person, you think that? Oh my God! I I just assumed he got shot in the chest. Do you think he got shot in the head? Yeah. But God, the brain killed. Shoot the brain kills the zombies. I, it must have been. Wow. If that's the if that's the reason, I mean, you're you just assumed that yourself. Or? I was just assuming it. I don't. Yeah, I wonder if that really is a. That's weird. That's a, that's one heck of a shot to shoot somebody in the head, and blow the back of their skull off, so they can have a a chrome dome on the back of their head, and yet didn't didn't affect the brain, or maybe it did affect the brain. Maybe that's why he's so. I, I assume the utopium was causing him to be so, you know, maniacal at times. Um, uh huh. But. Oh yeah, I hope we find out. <laughs> uh, so Liv introduces Evan to their dad, and Martin's first words to his long lost son are "Just one scratch, son, and you won't be suffering anymore." Uh, so yeah, Martin is a little bit more sinister in this episode. You know, Liv's not really picking up on it, but I don't know. Uh, hmm. But then Eva says, "Then he won't be Evan," which made me pause. So. Is that why she hasn't reached out to Liv or she wants nothing to do with Liv because she doesn't think Liv is her daughter anymore? Is So, I, you know, so Liv tells Martin to back down, you know, it's not his place. 
and uh, promises Eva and Evan she will help them. And Eva actually thanks her and agrees they should try to get along. So this is the theory I've heard online that the perhaps originally, uh, and I'd love to get some confirmation on this. And gosh, I'm I'm not sure anybody will confirm this. I've heard, I've read online that um, there's a theory that uh, perhaps Eva was supposed to be the Dolly Durkin's character. Uh huh. Right? Cause, because Eva is anti-zombie and she's got these views uh, of anti-zombie. Uh, for instance, here where she says, then he won't be Evan. Uh-huh. Like she assumes that her daughter is dead, you know? And wouldn't uh, it be crazy if this whole uh, series ended, you know, with Liv's allegiances being between her mother and her father? Her, and, and they're both like extreme, you know. Martin, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Martin wants the zombies to rule everything, wants the humans, you know, humans are not, you know, fit for this world. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a zombie time now. And meanwhile, Eva is like, you know, make Seattle great again, <laughs> like Dolly is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I definitely, it, it really, it, it, when I, when I read that, and I'm not sure where I might have read that, but, um, when I read that, I was like, oh, gosh, this, this smells of something that might have been, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Martin says uh, he's doing better later and he's ready to go home. Liv's mood ring is orange, which means mixed emotions. And Martin says Liv is a credit to all zombies. Liv says the world is filled with all types of people. She just wants to make it a better place for all of us. And Martin worries humans might never come around. And Liv says it'll be fine, Dad. She said, "Dad," and they have this beautiful moment where they're hugging, and it's not really that beautiful because he is evil. Definitely, he's definitely playing her, <laughs> and that's when he says what you said earlier: if, if they ever have to choose sides, let him take care of her. Yeah. So you're like, oh, they're gonna have to choose sides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, Liv hands her mother and brother off to uh, Stan. Uh, who's going to take them across the border and Evan's last words to live are she really rocks this look. And uh, Eva tells her that what she's doing for her father is kind and Liv tells her to call and uh, then she'll pick up this time. So I'm assuming Eva was trying to call Liv at one point and Liv was ignoring her calls, which I thought it was the other way around. Uh-huh. There's a weird line. I don't know. Uh, and they, uh, they follow Stan and Eva then turns and smiles at Liv as uh, Sean Colvin's Sunny Came Home begins. Uh, so that, I don't know. I guess that must be it for Eva and Evan. I'm just assuming that's it, right? Uh-huh. I just, you know, it, it, I, I, to, to me, it's kind of like, I guess they, I mean, that first appearance of Eva really left a sour taste in our mouths. And mm-hmm. I, I, this is a little, this is a little better, but man, I would have loved to have more of that and uh i don't know if i would have totally bought it if eva more ended up being one of the bad guys this season (laughs) yeah like gosh dolly is repulsive at times you know and uh, she is but i enjoy her i think yes i I enjoy it Mm -hmm. i don't know uh so we go to our next chapter which is the general's daughter wow we're running long sorry about this guys yeah Uh, Dolly sends out Instagram photos of Sloane and uh, we find out she's starving Sloane and her boyfriend Jesse in porta potties. And this is a big revelation because we really thought Martin had her. 
yeah. thought Martin had Sloan in it. Or, yeah. or we didn't know. We I didn't think it was the Dead Enders. Yeah, right. It, and they, they, it was a big. No, uh, wait a minute. They're not Dead Enders. Yeah, they're the chicks. Chicks. Okay, sorry. Confused. Like, Dead Enders are like normal racists, and chicks are like radical racists. Terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah major is looks into the instagram he asks donnie about the rebranding of the scratching post and uh discovers that the instagram post was an old photo and they trace back sloan's appearance to reggae night and they remember and donnie remembers <laughs> sloan saying yeah jamaican me hor- jamaican me horny is that what you're laughing about <laughs> uh and they watch a video oh, darcy's there rubbing donnie's shoulders uh-huh um is the is, what's the ship name for them? Doncy, Dar 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 E. I don't know. Donnie Donnie says uh, Sloan and Jesse were with a hipster zombie girl pre three pre three way vibes, and then Darcy's like, hmm, is that on my bucket list? Uh, and uh, on the video, they wonder why the girl's wearing a wig, and the infrared camera showed that she's human, and um, Darcy says, hey, they can help, and Major says, stay out of it. Of course they don't. Uh, another chapter title is Bittersweet Sin Donnie. Uh, Donnie and Darcy call Major. 3 a.m. They have the body of Kristen Cox, who bolted across the rooftop after they confronted her and had a huge fall. And uh, at Fillmore Gray's Major gets everybody to share the brain of Kristen Cox to see if they can find Sloan. Meanwhile, Dolly and Benny are stealing a porta potty truck. Joyce comes up with the uh, vision that says, uh, oh, actually, Ames had the vision about some unknown male, which I'm assuming is Benny, saying he was ditching something at the East Lake Marina. And they, they head there, and it's the Piesta. And uh, were you looking at the tents at all for the names? No. <laughs> I'll read some. Polly S'mores. Uh, cross my tart. Pie Tanya's. <laughs> I did it pie way. And interesting Interestingly enough, Dolly's booth is 24 Blackbirds Pie Company, which you know what that's a reference to? No. No, the 24, 20 and 4 Blackbirds um, baked in a pie. It's from uh, Sing a Song of Sixpence. Ah, uh, okay. That lyric is actually a reference to old timey, like not old timey, but you know, like medieval weddings where they would put birds into pies, live birds, and at a wedding, like cut the pie open and the birds would all fly out. Oh. So interestingly enough, she has a couple of uh, zombies in a uh, uh, porta potty. Oh, so they're like the black birds. Yes. So, yeah, that's what Dolly does. She releases them, and they're Romero's at this point. Uh, Major tracks down the truck, and they hear a scream, and they and we cut to with the Sunny Coin came home playing. Um, I love I loved the image. They show a close-up of a cherry pie hitting the ground and going splat. Mm. <laughs> uh, Dolly stands back and just films the chaos and turns to a bystander saying, oh, this is just awful. By the way, that that. By, I almost said pie stander, which actually works as well. <laughs> uh, she's played by uh, Bria Schneider, who we talked about at the beginning of this season. She was the girl in the convenience store. Oh. So I'm a, and, and she was also uh, in an earlier season playing Drake's old girlfriend. Who yeah. Liv and Drake bump into in, in the bar. So I'm assuming it's the same character all around. <laughs> I don't know. 
so Joyce saves a little girl from rampaging Jesse by you know shooting him, and then Major finds Sloane feasting on a man's brains and shoots her in the head. Rut row. Mm. Got a bad feeling. Uh huh. Big bada boom coming. Uh, Liv finds Martin at home watching the newscast. Uh, Liv gets texts, has to leave, and she's upset. And Martin says he's really sorry. And that we then we cut to Ravi and Peyton sitting outside Martin's home. And Ravi says, "If the guy, if this guy created the tainted utopium, he may be the father of all zombie kind." And then they see Liv come out of the house, mm. followed by Martin. And Ravi says, "The father of all zombie kind is Liv's dad." What? Mm. Which I mean, it's no shock to us, but it, no. Like, oh my gosh! Somebody found out. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 all we're so close. You know, it's going to be bad before it gets good. Uh huh. I'm sure by zombie will be action packed, and then the finale will be just wonderful. We still have two more to go between, before then. We're, we'll be talking about Night in the Zombie City um, at the end of the episode. And we also have Killer Queen uh, is, is another episode that's it's coming. So we have four more left. So I'm – gosh, I really wonder what's going to happen uh, between now and then. So, But we have no time – no more time to waste. We really need to get the feedback. Here are some thoughts from the users of TV Time where you can find our podcast streaming under the iZombie section. Uh, Misty Marie says Martin is going to break Liv's heart when she learns the truth and I'm not ready for it. Aid says, I don't know who owns my heart more, Ravi and Peyton, Liv and Major, or Ravi and Major. Just kidding. It's obviously Ravi and Major. Their bromance warms my heart. <laughs> and uh, this one's from Melissa. Uh, this last comment I thought you'd appreciate. Someone kill that bitch already. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, someone is very, very upset at Dolly. I'm assuming it's Dolly, you know. Unless they're really rooting against Liv or something. <laughs> or maybe it's, uh, what's her name? The little uh, Freilich girl. Oh, gosh. <laughs> someone killed Darcy already. Darcy. Darcy? Yeah, it's Darcy. All right. Uh, you want to do some Facebook? Uh, sorry. Okay. okay. I've got it actually right here. Okay. I went Facebook. Don't we usually do emails? Oh, emails? Sure. But we could do Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Um, all right, Marissa. I love I love Marissa in DC. Uh, how she starts off her comment. She says, "Well, I'm officially Team Lives Dad." Actually, really? she says, "Well, well, I'm officially Team Team Lives Dad is using her." Ah. <laughs> so I wanted to finish that sentence. But when I first looked at, it, I was like, "What?" <laughs> What a sneaky way to find out all you can about the people holding Seattle together. He was right last week. Good people just can't help themselves. Ah. On the other hand, Liv's forgiving nature is also hopefully getting Eva and Evan to Boston. It was great seeing them again, and it allowed us a little bit of closure for the part of Liv's family that actually matters. Yes. In other plots, seeing Peyton and Ravi having a mystery to solve together was fun and productive. They now pretty much know that Liv's dad is Beanpole Bob. Liv is going to be... Devastated. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, someone named Steph says Asiago jalapeno <laughs> bagel with veggie cream cheese is my breakfast. I could eat three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave says, I want to believe in second chances and that perhaps he is genuinely trying to get better, but that's not this show. We all just know he's going to turn on live. Yep. 
Yep, and Marissa says that she's willing to see what happened in this episode, but it does not seem on the level. Uh, James says, I've got a theory on why Eva and Evan are so anti, are still so anti-Liv. The original problem was the refuse, refusal of a transfusion from Liv at the end of season one. Logically, that transgression should have been resolved at the end of season three when zombies became public. That didn't happen. So there has to be another problem. Something that has come up in the interim. The precipitating major event, in my opinion, is Evan's health problems. When the zombies came out of the closet, they could have, they could have had him scratched then. Didn't happen. In the years since, then, Evan's only gotten worse and still no scratch. He doesn't want it. I think with the circumstances changed as they are, the Moore's fear was that rather than let him die, Liv would have infected him against his wishes. It was easier to just keep her away and not take the chance. Well, I don't think that he's been sick. I think he's just gotten sick. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just. Probably, probably you know, in the last, like, year or something. Mm-hmm. But by then, you know, Eva is done with Liv. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The bitterness has increased. Oh, a lot of good discussion here on, on Facebook. But I just want to kind of cut ahead to somebody who hasn't talked yet. Uh, Beth says, uh, what I liked was that Liv finally reconciled with her mom and brother. And James kind of says, oh, more than a, more of a truce than anything else, but it is a step in the right direction. So, uh, oh, oh, and Dave says, one more question. What is Dolly's endgame with releasing the two zombies into the park? So General Mills, who is the biggest advocate of utterly destroying Seattle, you have now caused the death of his daughter. The one thing that's kept him from pushing harder for the destruction of Seattle is her being there. Again, what is Dolly t- trying to accomplish? I know it really seemed like a, it seemed like cutting I mean, off your nose in spite of your face or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is she suicidal? Maybe, maybe we find out that she's suicidal. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but that's really, I, I mean, I wonder if like, you know, the people she works with know who Sloan is. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm yeah, struggling she to figure said out she, what, how she knew. Uh, but, I mean, I think she, I don't know, but, but she yeah. knows. Yeah. So that's pretty much all from Facebook. Yeah. I, I'm really wondering if, uh, if Dolly is a big fan of, uh, you know, pardon the expression, the final solution, like, you know, I'm willing to die for my cause, you know, mm. uh, and, uh, you know, save the city by <laughs> burning it to the ground. <laughs> But this is all, of course, leading to my theory from earlier this season that that huge bunker is going to be housing all of our uh, all of our main characters and uh, everybody that is not bad. It's a pretty big place. Uh, we want to get into emails. Okay. Do you me read J- Julia? <laughs> Do you want me to read JD's? Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, a correction to. Our last podcast and our our oh, conversation, we get, we get corrected. Well, not a correct a correction <laughs> on us not knowing what he was talking about. I think. Oh, okay. All right. Here's JD's email feedback on the last podcast. <sighs> folks don't get old. Saying like, folks don't get old. <laughs> oh, sayings th- sayings that are commonplace to you go out of date, and nobody b- bothers to tell you. Bumfuzzled and f- fun fun <laughs> fun used. <laughs> Fun and, oh, like, okay, fun and amused was an extremely well-known phrase in my day. The second part of the word is confused, and the first and fourth letters switched to indicate mental irregularity. What is this about? 
we read his last email, and I think I said bumfuzzled and funkist. I have no idea what that means, but he, oh. it, it was actually pr- pr- pronounced funcused. Oh, amused, confused, and a fun way of being confused. Yeah. Okay. Listening I to guess. the podcast, <laughs> one thing sprang to mind about whether or not uh, Martin Roberts is Evan's father. Since living Evan, our rare blood type, since it didn't come from Eva, it had to come from the father. I would say that it makes uh, uh, makes it very likely that mom had a lapse of good judgment as for relapse. Evan's a relapse of good judgment yeah. as for Evan's age. There should be a nine or ten year difference between him and Liv. He was in high school in season one, and she was at least nine years past that based on her level of education. That's all, folks. JD. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I uh, that's that's the that's the theory I had. Is, yeah, like you know, Evan he came is, back. And she, she was like, she was unprotected again. <laughs> oh, that, you know, we were wondering how how he's the father of both Liv and Evan. Uh, if there's a difference in ages, and yeah, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I this is our job to figure all this stuff out, don't you know? Oh, this is from Tim. We are the authority. We are. We are the authority. We the have to explain this with us. I really do feel pressure because I don't like to come on this podcast and be like, I have no idea, you know, because I feel like I have to figure it all out. It's just a lot of pressure I put on myself. Uh, Anyway. I don't feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Tim. He says, hey, Robin and Steph, time for snippets. Uh, And this is what he was talking about uh, before. What I mentioned before, he was talking about uh, uh, Scotty not living in his parents' basement. I hope I provided the answer for that. Uh, Tim, but he goes on. I love Peyton, but her being fired has been a long time coming. She was not elected as a position. She inherited the position and was only Baracus's chief of staff if left less than a year. Before that, she was only an assistant DA who only had her first murder case in season one. True, she handled the boss case and probably got notoriety from that, but she doesn't have the actual experience. We all know, thanks to Ben Wyatt, what happens when a brilliant yet young and inexperienced <laughs> mayor bites off more than he can chew. High Zombie is her ice town. I was watching Parks and Rec this morning. Oh, <laughs> let me tell you, people freaking out because the office is going off of Netflix. I mean, the office is great. Yeah. But Parks and Rec. I, is is it was it announced that Parks and Rec is going too? No, I don't know. Uh, that's what that was actually my first thought. I was like, uh, is 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 Parks and Rec going too? I just uh, don't uh, understand uh, why I, people I, are freaking out about the office. Like they like it's being taken away from them, and they'll never see it again. I like it's, it's actually not even leaving the network till twenty twenty one. So I've already actually uh, I'm planning on doing a full rewatch of the series before it goes away again because I, I think I'm at the point where I'm like I'm ready to rewatch the office. Yeah, I did. T- I watched the end of the series and then I watched the pilot. Like it was, you know, just a, a marathon on yeah. one day. And, but people, Parks and Rec. That's, Parks and Rec. That's what would be a crime against humanity if mm-hmm. it got taken away from you. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Well, I definitely wanted to mention to Tim um, that, uh, you know, someone being elected to public office uh, without any actual experience is definitely not anything we, we know of. Uh, so it is it is definitely just a fictional thing. Um, so, and Peyton uh, did a great job. Peyton was until great. Until she got painted into a corner and had no other choice but had to yeah. act and think outside the box. 
Good to see Eva and Evan again, in spite of the circumstances. Glad they're all on good terms. This is probably the last we'll see of them. Could it be the writers didn't want Liv's family in Seattle when it gets nuked? Because it's totally going to get nuked, right? With only a few select characters in that survival bunker from 504. Yeah, yeah I just mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. I think the bunker is Chekhov's gun. Yep. I think it is. I think we back. need to be reminded of it, though, before it happens. I don't know. If they yeah. drop that in the last episode, it's like, oh, remember the bunker? Here's our escape route. <laughs> Uh, they also seem to be retconning the Blue Cobra's involvement with Mr. Boss and the Utopium, as Robin said not last week. And there's still no answer as to whether Martin was involved with the Lucky You version of Utopium. We have no idea who made that for Blaine and his crew, but they had to have it. They had to have had Martin's recipe. I'm assuming Gabriel made the yuck, the, the yucky you, the lucky <laughs> you. Uh, I went back and uh, looked at. Look through some scripts for season two when I saw this uh, email, and uh, it, it really seems like Gabriel showed up. Blaine asked him to help make uh, Utopium, and uh, it, it just wasn't the stuff that Ravi could use, but it was still Utopium. Um, and then he killed him off. Well, he un- unfortunately uh, tried a bad cure and uh, melted in the morgue so uh and then he says p.s not to be the guy who corrects the writer of the episode but belina mentioned a five season streak of having my fellow tim tim chu as aj nope he was mentioned in season two but didn't appear he had one appearance in each each in seasons one two one and three and two in season four so yeah he did have five appearances total uh for sure but it wasn't uh he didn't have any in uh seasons two season two so, uh, yeah, Tim, I'm just going to just uh, strike you down for that last correction and uh, just uh, say, you know, nobody likes to know it all. Uh, <laughs> I will uphold your, uh, your, your past quibbles, but this last one, it's just like, hey, man, calling the writer directly out, not cool. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, what you got. We got Efrax up next, right? Yes, Efrax. What's up, guys? What's up? <laughs> what a roller coaster episode this one was. I'll never stop being amazed at how the creative team manages to squeeze in so much great character drama in between all the large scale craziness going on in the larger story. I would not have predicted Martin's cover getting blown. With four episodes left. General Mills is not good. I know. Every episode, I'm like, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge. Okay. That's final season for you. Mm-hmm. General Mills is not going to be too pleased at Major shooting his zombified daughter, is he? Things are going to get really ugly and really crazy as we head to the final stretch. And I'm so here for for it all. Mm-hmm. I'm really digging the Liv Martin relationship, even though I'm sure it's going to end pretty badly. My guess is that Martin goes off sacrificing himself to save Liv, but who knows what these writers have cooked up. I have really mixed feelings about the Eva and Evan scenes. I'm glad that we're getting them, but there's no way to compress all the emotion that they deserve into the limited time we have. Looking back, I do risk, I do whisk, mm-hmm. I do wish. That we had more of them in the middle seasons. I also wish we had more time for Evan to weigh the risks of leaving Seattle versus getting scratched. That would have been an interesting dynamic. Agreed, it, agreed. When when he was offered, when when Liv offered to scratch him, and then the Martin offered to scratch him, uh, I was like, oh, oh. But it kind of gets you know wrapped up really quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that would have been that would have been a great thing to kind of ponder over, you know, for like an episode or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's probably the least important thing in the entire episode, but the murder mystery of the week actually touches on a contemporary legal controversy regarding whether a person can be charged for homicide or murder if his actions caused the victim's death many years after the original attack. This discussion was made very relevant in uh, 2014 when James Brady, Ronald Reagan's press secretary, died 33 years after being shot by John Hinckley. The death was ruled a homicide by Virginia's medical examiner, and there was quite a bit of discussion as to whether Hinckley could be brought up on additional charges. In most cases of this type, the culprit has already served time for a less serious offense, such as attempted murder. In the show, however, the true culprit was never apprehended. If this were a legal drama, there would be a lot of exposition on exactly what charges could be brought against the mother. Don't know if anyone else cares about this stuff, but it it was pretty interesting to me. Okay, that's it for now. Take care, Ephraim. Uh, it was. It was. This was more interesting of case than usual. Yeah, um, I thought it was wrapped up. I mean, it wasn't uh, your classic like we didn't slap cuffs on Gail and walk her out. But I assume that the confession is going to be used against her. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think it just the episode assumes that we we just go. Okay, we caught we got her. You know. Uh, Dave says, Steph and Robin, wow, things are really moving now. I can just taste a massive ending coming our way. What does a massive ending taste like, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. Number one, General Mills' daughter and boyfriend. Yikes, living in the porta potty and then getting set loose to kill. A good reminder of how dangerous zombies can be. What a crappy ending. Wink. Oh, I like that. I like what you did there. Um, Major shooting her. Not going to go too well. Not going to go well. Number two, this whole episode, I just kept waiting for Liv to stumble across Martin's secret. Well, Peyton and Ravi figured it out. Liv's going to be heartbroken. Number three, Eva Moore is pretty harsh on the zombie life, but Eva, Liv, and Evan seem to have ended this episode on a hesitant but respectful point. Eva and Martin's reunion was tense as hell. Eva is going to have a big I told you so for Liv. Number four, so Peyton is not the acting mayor anymore. Love how she trolled Blaine. And number five, and finally we got the murder of the week that was engaging. And while the mother's intentions are not, are totally not excusable, what a horrible guilt she was carrying. See y'all next episode, Dave. Thanks, Dave. What's next? Darren. Darren! Okay, just finished my second watch of the week, and here are my thoughts. First off, am I the only one who wants to see Dolly Durkin scratched? <laughs> <laughs> I would just love the irony of it. Whoa, did he use that right? That's right. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (laughs) Liv helping Martin to get sober is an interesting interesting dynamic to me. It seems that his connection to Liv now seems to have him conflicted on his original plan of zombie domination. It would be interesting to see how that plays out till the end. I know. I wonder, is his uh, new relationship with his daughter changing his outlook on the zombie-human war? Or are the writers trying to lead us to believe one thing and then surprise? He really plays Martin very, Bill Wise, really plays uh, Martin very sympathetically. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is still some sinister things that he says that, you know, uh, if you're not looking for them as maybe Liv isn't, you know, you might not catch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really troublesome. (laughs) Okay, uh, Darren continues. The family reunion was an interesting way to go with the story. It was good to see Evan come back and bring and bringing him back with an illness 
of the explosion was a twist. Eva seeing Martin again and having Evan meeting his father, it seems to have finally put things in a new light for Eva. When they were leaving the hub, I felt that Liv had finally resolved things with her family. I doubt we will see them again, but I can hope. Even if we don't, though, it feels right. Major working to find Sloane, Sloane all episode and having to be the one to shoot her. You could see the guilt on his face. He knew he was responsible for it and it bothered him. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that he actually is responsible for the fact that she's a zombie. Yeah, because oh. uh, uh, when Major goes to talk to uh, Donnie, Donnie was like, you know, we kidnapped her once and she's been kidnapped. You yeah. know, this poor kid, she's been kidnapped all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if Major just decides to like play the martyr, you know, he could like turn himself in and be like, listen, I was responsible. Please, you know, take I me to jail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peyton and Robbie working to find Beanpole Bob for the uh, Utopium and finding out who it is sh- uh, should make an interest. <sighs> the Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and finding out who it is should make the end interesting. How will Liv handle that news? And will she be able to get the recipe or a few of the vials t- to analyze for a cure? This season has me felt like... That's not what it says. Okay. This season, to me, has felt like there are a lot of threads that seem to be almost impossible to bring together. But it looks like they're coming together for a satisfying ending. Look, Looking forward to seeing it play out, Darren. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Four more episodes left. Hey, we got one more from Maddie. Okay. Hashtag Roger Endgame. Um, hi, Robin and Steph. It seems our show is moving towards its endgame, and the stakes are getting higher as the end approaches. I like that the ata- antagonist, antagonists for each story are settled. Dolly being the main villain of Major's story brings his arc full circle. The guy who swore to kill all zombies in season one has to face the biggest anti-zombie antagonist mm-hmm. so far. Martin so being true. lives. Yeah, Martin being That's lives. That's ironic. What? <laughs> you're getting really. I mean, with that word, I don't know. <laughs> don't want to put it out there if you're using it incorrectly because they will come for you. I like that the antagonists for each story are settled. Dolly being the... Oh, gosh. I'm an idiot. Skipping to the next paragraph where I should have started. Martin being lives also makes so much sense. Helping others was the one thing that gave her purpose. And it's going to be heartbreaking when she finds out the person she trusted is trying to kill a certain part of the population she is also trying to save. Peyton and Ravi, her two best friends, finding out the truth about her dad is even more meaningful because they've been a part of Liv's journey and she, as she developed into the new renegade. I feel like Blaine will be their antagonist given the story he has with them and the Freilich kids. But it could also be Dr. Saxon and the CDC. I'm, I'm satisfied with the Eva and Evan and Liv reunion, mostly because I feared they would be casualties from this zombie-human war, and them leaving at least gives them more chances to survive. Wish we could have seen more of Evan, though. At least Eva seems more open now with Liv helping her out. I can't wait to see what's in store for Donnie and Darcy's relationship. Also, the fate of our other villains. Blaine always seems to be planning something in the background, and Stacey Boss, who is an opportunistic villain who will find a way to win even after losing. And that's it. I'm so sad. I'm so excited for everything and cannot wait for the epic ending we are headed towards. Love you guys, Maddie. Maddie, you are reminding me of so many different things the show has to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. But it's like that every season, every single season heads to an ending where you're just like, how are they going to resolve all of this? 
<sighs> so that's the end of feedback. And let's get into next time on iZombie. Next time is the episode Night and the Zombie City. Here's yes. the promo. Who's the victim? Private investigator. Sign the law. There's a million stories in the zombie city. It was a hard rain that night. The kind that turned streets into rivers. Make that a million and one. And that was a promo for Night in the Zombie City. Sherlock Liv, while investigating the murder of Private Eye Mick Chisel, who was stabbed in the head with an ice pick, Liv consumes Chisel's brain in hope of breaking down how gruesome how this gruesome murder took place. And it says Tuan Lee directed the episode written by Bob Dearden. And uh, Bob is hoping to return one last time to the iZombie podcast to talk about what looks to be an amazing episode. I know. <laughs> I'm anxious to see. Like, I can see, you know, Liv doing the whole uh, noir act. But how will that, how will the other scenes be? I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could be. I, I just can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. I, I have no idea. I, you know, and I, I was like, hmm, did they shoot this episode? And then the promo kind of went on the noir bent and added some filters to yeah. scenes that have been shot. Or is that going to be what the episode looks like? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, also I'll tease uh, next week. We'll also have our first mystery interview with a recurring cast member. Who do you think it'll be folks? I guess you'll have to, Tune in and find out. I think, depending on how long the conversation will be, uh, might be releasing it as a bonus episode or might just kind of tie in with the the podcast. I mean, after this podcast, I'm sure uh, people might be um, used to our podcast going on long and dogs and children yelling in the background as they (laughs) were wrapping it up. So, (laughs) whoop, there it is. Or maybe it was. Another fat episode of the podcast that gave our fly listeners some things to make them go, hmm. Bout it, bout it. Yo, I'm still bugging out over Martin and Dolly. Martin is all like, whoa. And Dolly, she's just straight up tripping. I don't even know with her. Word. If I saw Dolly on the street, I'd be like, girl, stop clowning. Mm-hmm. Take a chill pill. No, duh. And talk to the hand. <laughs> and Martin. Would you be all like, hey, Big Papa, come crash in my crib with that whack toupee he's sporting? Home skillet, what's the opposite of schwing? I mean, as if. Maybe Eva was getting jiggy with it back in the day, but me, I'd be like, cut it out. Oh, snap. You go, girl. I mean, if I had to be honest. Word. If I had to be mad super hella straight up with you right now, I could get down with Miss Durkins. All righty then. Not. What? Dude, that's wicked whack. <laughs> Psych. I am Audi. You're a virgin who can't drive. Harsh. Thank you for listening to the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. Obligatory contact info in three, two, one, go. Send in your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin at L. Robin Yarrow. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash D. Sheehan. 
to check out our other podcasts, you can listen to us binge watch through great shows like Dawson's Creek, Smallville, Veronica Mars, and When I Zombie Ends, Gilmore Girls. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out TV Time. If you want to join a global community of TV watchers where our podcast, among others, is currently streaming, download the TV Time app today. Go to tvtime.com for more details. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We do this in our spare time, so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated. And the only payment we ask are your kind words. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Seth. And we're done. You think anyone's still listening? Oh, they totally are. Bye, zombie. Live forever! Live forever!